2: Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Betts, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. NYRA Betts players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200
0: this is the cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. my name is Corey. i am joined as always by brendan and we are coming to you on tuesday january 28th we appreciate y'all bearing with us we're a day late here uh you know some travel issues i do have my microphone this week so you know Apologies for last week, but we're, we're back in our high quality audio, so uh, that national emergency is over. <laughs> and we do have still mostly minor, I don't know if they're really getting all of you particularly excited, but we do have some actual stuff to talk about. And Brendan, if you can believe it, the Cubs have made a, a major league They deal. did it, they did, they, a Corey. They did it, Corey, yes. finally. Not just one, they made two, so we get two here. Wow. I know. Very exciting. Uh, So we will talk about that. We will talk about Nicholas Castellanos coming off of the free agent market. And given that we did not do an emergency podcast, that would indicate he did not sign with the Chicago Cubs. But more on that later. I want to start on a a light note here, Brendan, and I just want to get a simple opinion of you. Mm -hmm. Manager David, appeared on social media, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, and he has shaved his beard. Thoughts?
2: My first thought is I don't like it. I'm not saying it's a bad look, but I felt as if Ross could rock the facial hair pretty well. It does look like he's younger without the facial hair, but I don't know. Something about Ross, Like I think of him, I think of the facial hair. So I don't know how I feel yet, but is to be determined once we actually see it on TV and, you know, in motion, if you will.
0: Yeah, I, I think generally I, I consider myself pro beard. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I like the kind of grizzled veteran look that some of these guys adopt as they get on in age and in their careers. However, I, I do appreciate manager David maybe starting fresh, you know, branding a little differently That's true. as he That's true. Yeah. B- begins this new era of his career. I think the the grizzled vet look worked very well at, when he was literally a grizzled vet, you know, kind of finishing up his career, playing that role. Perhaps he's going in a different direction uh, as as we get ready for spring training and uh, in his first year as one of the younger managers in, in, in Major League Baseball now, in in contrast to where he was obviously when his playing career ended. So, Uh, I'm all for whatever manager David wants to do but I just wanted to get your opinion on that very pressing issue uh, Brendan of what we thought of a (laughs) clean-shaven manager David but let's get into the meat of things here and I think that the obvious place to start is that Nicholas Castellanos who I I, I read uh, one of the Reds beat writers tweeted this yesterday he's just going by Nick now I, I don't know how that necessarily gets decided officially, but one of the Reds beat writers tweeted like officially he's going by Nick now, (laughs) not Nicholas. So uh, for what that's worth, there you go on that. And he agrees to a four-year, $64 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. There are a couple of opt-outs in that one. Uh, He can opt out after this next season or the following one. And there is a mutual option in 2024 for $20 million and a $2 million buyout. So all told, a a very nice contract from Nick's perspective, I I believe. And the Reds continue to throw money around and, and try to capitalize on the lack of activity from basically everybody else in the NL Central. So I, I guess, Brandon, I will start, and and you can kind of—I think we'll touch on all of this. I think, obviously, there's a, there's a couple of important elements to this move. One is you have someone who was just on the Cubs, who was a potential Cubs target, uh, certainly a fan favorite in his time in Chicago, so we can talk about it from that perspective. And then, obviously, he signs within the division, so uh, the Reds continuing to sort of do what they can to take advantage of the blood in the water that they have smelled for months now now and what that means for the layout of the NL Central so but but why don't we start with just like you know your your opinions on him going the Cubs not signing him and and maybe uh just a little bit of reminiscing on his time with the Cubs as that is now officially over despite I think a lot of hopes to that that would continue I mean it sucks to lose a personality like Castellanos I think
2: Everyone involved in that Cubs clubhouse gravitated towards his attitude, gravitated towards his energy. So from that perspective, it's, it's a huge loss. And then you factor in what he was able to accomplish as a Cub offensively, it's going to be a huge loss. But the, the question that I always had is, could he keep those numbers going? next year, and then in years beyond. And not only that, are you willing to shell out a huge chunk of money, even given the restrictions to do that? And so where I'm at is you see the $64 million deal. And first off, that's above what many people projected. A lot of the people on Fangraphs, a lot of the crowdsourcing as well, they suggested Castellanos was signed for $52 million over four years. So you got 64 over four years. That's a pretty big difference. And so for 16 million per year in a vacuum without any type of restrictions, it seems to be fair value given the market. Now you throw in the Cubs restrictions. We know they're trying to get underneath the luxury tax, but even if they weren't, even if they were still trying to keep payroll where it was last year, I don't know if I would be comfortable giving that contract out, especially given some of the other options the Cubs have, even internally. So for example, right now, Castellanos, he's projected next season by Steamer Projections to bat 273 with 28 homers and 650 plate appearances. When you factor in his defense, which is not good, in a very large sample, it's not good. That's worth 1.1 wins above replacement. And so the, the next man up for the Cubs, we assume, is going to be Ian Happ. Ian Happ likely at the moment is going to slot in to get the majority of the plate appearances that's vacated by Castellanos. So Ian Happ next year, Corey, he's projected in 450 plate appearances to bat 238 with 20 homers. That's good though for a 328 weighted on base average, and a WRC plus of 101. So basically, he's projected to be a league average offensive guy. And then you throw in his defense, it trends, the sample size is not that big, but we're looking almost at equal value in terms of just like the computer projection. So he's projected at one5 Wins above replacement and Castellanos, again 1.1 slightly more favorable for his offense by about three points in his WRC plus. But the point being is, am I comfortable shelling out 64 million? And given Castellanos' portfolio, he's not someone who's going to be mashing home runs. He's someone who relies exhaustively on that high batting average. Can he hit 290? Can he hit 300 year in? year out. That's difficult for any of the best hitters in the league. He's someone who does not walk that much. He walks around a 6% rate. And outside of the last year, he never went above 26 homers ever, right? So he had 27 last year. The ball could be dejuiced as well. Point being, I don't, I would not have liked the contract even if the Cubs were to be around the same payroll as last year, just because of the other issues and the other players that could step in for Castellanos. That being said, I am going to miss him. Like, I I am. I I loved his attitude, the bat flips, the the energy that he brought every single day. And from that end, it it does suck, Corey.
0: Yeah, I think that we're mostly in agreement here. I, I think that we had talked about how the fit wasn't exactly perfect when you looked at the way this current roster was constructed and unless you were making other moves thinking about having schwarber out there and you know obviously you're hoping that he's able to continue the second half success that he had You're hoping that Ian Happ can step up and and play a major role and continue some of the adjustments that he was making. And we've talked a lot about how you want Hayward in right field to Mm -hmm. maximize his defense, and he gets considerably worse ratings when he's moved to center field. So if you add Castellanos in there a little confusing as to how that was all going to work. You'd have days where, where certainly the defense was probably not optimal, putting it lightly, right? So we talked about how the fit wasn't great. The contract is what it is. He has a lot of leverage in that contract with the multiple opt-outs. Uh, you know, So if he goes off in a year in Cincinnati, he can jump back on that market and try it again if he felt like it. Yeah. So I didn't love the fit. I didn't love the contract. But I think what really stung yesterday was he represented, when you looked at the larger landscape, and especially that we're in the end of January here, we still don't know what's going on with the Chris Bryant grievance situation somehow, he represented at least something, right, that they could do that would feel good, that would be adding uh, another bat that would be bringing back a guy that got rave reviews from the fans, the players, everybody just as far as his contributions on and off the field in sure the short go. time that he was in Chicago and you know he went to a division rival. So that's that's what kind of stings and and what really kind of grinded at me a little bit yesterday even if I wasn't like dead set on they have to re-sign Castianos we just got to this point in this off season where they have done absolutely nothing and he was kind of that last free agent out there that would have been and like and he goes okay. to the
2: rats too of all yeah. of all the and, places and to also
0: go. right and and beyond that you know you, we we had also kind of as we talk about all these different trade possibilities which as we've discussed get pretty in, in, increasingly less likely To happen as we get closer to spring training and ultimately the beginning of the season here. But if you did make one of those moves and you cleared some payroll or you got younger, whatever you ended up doing, Castellanos would have been a nice way to kind of ease that pain in a way, right? Like if you made a major move, you could bring him back with some of the money that you saved and. At least that would feel good, and you'd be replacing whoever you need to replace. You'd be bringing back a guy that everybody loved and that was very passionate and and clearly wanted to be a Chicago Cub, and now that's gone too. So if you do make a move like that, you're really looking at a scenario where unless some of the young talent or prospect talent, whatever it ended up being in a trade that you made, unless those guys contribute right away, you're assuredly getting worse, right? Right? like yeah. and and that probably would be the case anyway but now there there's just nobody else really left out there that you could replace guys with and and we kind of talked about that with like wilson for example when you were looking at the catching market people were like okay well if you did that maybe you could sign grandal and replace that production and and maybe ease that sting a little bit and then as the catchers went off the market one by one by one you're like okay well this plan doesn't really make that much (laughs) sense anymore uh and i i don't really see how they would pull this off without just straight up being worse right so that's kind of where you're at, um, and I, I think it is a good time to at, at least just pause and 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 reflect on that. Like Cassianos was awesome, man. Like he came over, and that trade it, it was similar to, and and obviously he got hurt uh, and and kind of derailed in in the second half of last year, but it, it was reminiscent of that Cole Hamels trade, I think, sure. where you you give up very little to get it done and the guy just performs to the highest level that you could have possibly asked for and she's like wow like this is just a trade that really worked out for the Chicago Cubs but even on like day
2: 1 when he when he was brought over you sensed that he wanted to be there i know you yeah. said that and you're emphasizing that but i can't remember like really ever in my fandom someone coming over to the cubs on day 1 and making that much of an impact on his teammates and manager at the time, Joe Madden. Like Madden said, that Castellanos' fire was a good reminder of what it's like to want to win. I know I'm paraphrasing here, but to me, that that's what stood out. Is yeah, he he was beyond valuable with his bat. But I think, and we see even some of the Cubs players post on you know social media how they're going to miss him that that is what will make me remember nick is that type of attitude and i think it's something the cubs and david ross want to actually cultivate in the next few years and something that madden wasn't really i guess hired
0: to do to bring that type of energy he came over and like really clearly like desperately tried to be what that 2019 team needed. They needed that fire. They needed that consistent production. You had so many guys that were hurt. They they were so sloppy on, on defense, on the bases and stuff like that. And immediately he just came over and was that guy that was like, I am going to do everything in my power, both with my bat and my energy, enthusiasm, whatever, to galvanize this group and and get it on the right track and and get this team back to where they need to be and ultimately they they weren't able to do that but i i think castellanos came over and and like really truly did everything you could have possibly yeah. hoped that he would have done when they made that trade and it was one of those 11th hour trades that like barely got done and it had been rumored and it made so much sense and and you know came in at the last minute on the newswire <laughs> and it just worked out perfectly for the chicago I mean, his- cubs his numbers with the
2: Cubs are insane. In 51 games and 225 plate appearances, he batted 321 with 16 home runs. That's a Woba of 408, a WRC plus of 154. You know, he and Schwarber carried that team in the second half.
0: Yeah. So, you know, and and I think obviously when you look toward next year, you're again hoping that Kyle Schwarber is able to continue on the success that he had in the second half. Ian Happ, I mean, hopefully, I mean, they kind of pulled that out of nowhere last time. Hopefully he's starting on the major league roster um, and thriving and and developing into the the player that I, I think you and I know and hope he can be. Um, so I think the Cubs should be able to replace that. Uh, you obviously had some guys that were very hurt last year, and their their contributions were, I think, significantly hampered because of those injuries. So I, I don't necessarily fear that they can't replace that. I also think expecting Castellanos to hit at that level for a full year or even beyond that is not reasonable. I mean, even just yeah. to him. I mean, he was out of control for the Cubs. But it just, yeah, it just stings, I think, because you'd gotten to that point in the off season where there just wasn't that much left to hang your hat on as far as hope was concerned that this group was going to be any better or or you know that effort was going to be put in from that perspective the writing was on the wall though i mean oh of course it was it was a dim hope i didn't think they were going to get him but he was still that kind of last glimmer of it (laughs) like
2: imagine if they did sign him and we've gone through this entire off season assuming they're going to be underneath the luxury tax and the only money they shell out is to Castellanos and not to fix other holes on the roster like the bullpen, like second base, like the infield. That, that, that would have been more right. puzzling to me than actually not signing him. So I think we've gone to the point where, unfortunately, in this point of the offseason, signing him made no sense. Because if it made sense, they should have done it in addition with other moves months ago. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in
0: particular. I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle.
2: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. There's a chance your local GEICO agent has the same hyper-specific taste in music as you.
1: Yeah, I can't get enough of
0: neo-operatic breakbeat. Do you listen to Kale Bent in The Lettuce Works?
1: Only every day.
2: But there's a better chance your local GEICO agent could help you out with insurance. They'll work hard to provide sound
0: advice and significant savings. You don't need a hip underground music scene to do that. Local Geico agents, call or visit yours today. All of us are, are very thankful for Nick's time in Chicago, and uh, I think it was said as it was happening, and and certainly after the fact, even when that that season ended. But I, I think as a fan, it, it's it's worthwhile to and and you know I got some some questions from you included, Brendan, like. W- was I, like, really angry about them not signing and just based on, on what I was tweeting yesterday? And I, I, I wasn't. It was really just... I think, a time to sit back and say, look, like, we all saw the 2019 Cubs, like, limping to the finish. Like, it, it clearly was not the product we all hoped it would be. It was a slog at times. It was very aggravating for a lot of the the end of that season, especially. And I, I think that Castellanos, and this is what I was reflecting on Twitter yesterday, it just was one of those moments where you're just like, you know what? This guy came over and you you could really feel what he was trying to do as a fan. You could really feel how badly he wanted to be on a, a playoff team, no longer a Detroit Tiger, to be playing in front of a full house every night that was recognizing his contributions and things like that. And it just, you know, yesterday just felt like one of those moments as a fan where it was worthwhile to, not that he's reading any of these, but just to put those thoughts out into the universe. Like, I was at a lot of those games. We all spend so many hours watching these games, and I really appreciated that, dude. Like, you went out there, and you were ready to bleed. You were ready to die for the Chicago Cubs the minute you joined this team, and that team desperately needed it. It wasn't enough, which is certainly no fault of Knicks. It should have been enough, but he did everything he could. And yep. and you really just felt that as a fan, and and I think in a season like that, it just really stands out as something that uh, I was, and I think will continue to be grateful for. And I I what? wish that it had worked out. I wish the yep. last image of Nick in a Cubs uniform was not that one of him sitting in the dugout, kind of looking out <laughs> as they're clearing out Wrigley Field for the last time in the 2019 season. I wish it was something different. Wish we had a shot of him with champagne or celebrating in the <laughs> locker room with the guys. Unfortunately, we do not. So now he's a Cincinnati Red, and I think that that's a good place to transition to what do we think about this? And I, I'll, I'll start. I think the Reds have an interesting team. I, I have been saying this, I, you know, kind of like the same, some version of this same thought for the last couple years here. Uh, but I, I still, as currently constructed— Brendan and when i you know uh, unfortunately that comes with the caveat that that may not be the case once they show up in spring training because who knows what they're planning on doing but as currently constructed i i still don't get the doom and gloom that comes from some circles am i happy about this off season absolutely not right you guys all know that are there holes and cracks and things with this team that desperately need to be filled or should have been filled? Absolutely. Right. But I still think, roster wise, top level talent wise, this is a competitive team in uh, whatever division. Right. Is that what the Cubs should be striving for? Is that what the, should that be good enough for anybody, the fans, the ownership, the front office? Of course not. Right. But. I I just genuinely think that's the truth. And I think it was uh, Mike Petriello from uh, MLB.com, or he used to be with StatCast. I'm not sure what he's with now. But um, he tweeted out something to the effect of like, I think a lot of people are confusing the notion that the Cubs didn't do anything with the Cubs are bad. Mm -hmm. And those are not the same thing. And I don't think that they're both true. So... I think that the Reds have put themselves in a position where they've got an interesting team. Their defense might be a bit of a mess, uh, but in the great American ballpark, you, maybe you can outslug it. They've got some some really good pitchers over there, and you see what happens. But I personally, Brendan, I don't look at this division and say, oh yeah, no chance. I, I mean, X team is clearly better than the Cubs. There's no chance that things fall their way and that they could win the division. Again, that's not good enough, and it shouldn't be the case. And there's a legit case that the Cubs are not the best team in this division as currently constructed, which is a joke. It should never be like that in this particular window with all they have going on, etc. But I, I, you know, you just when when something like this happens, especially and and with the way this off season has played out, you just get so many like, oh, the Cubs are going to be in last place, like competing with the Pirates. And I, I said this last year. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think that I I just don't see the absolute pessimism. No matter how pissed off I am at how they've chosen to navigate this and the previous off season. I'm with you. I,
2: I think we can look at the projections right now, and they're not final. They're going to be, they're they're going to change once spring training ends, and once the Cubs round out their roster. But the way the Reds are constructed, it looks like a relatively like, volatile team. Like you can see it going in the positive direction, and you can see it going way down in the negative direction. I think some of the projections, it reflects that. So right now, if we compare just the positional players for the Reds and what they're projected to produce compared to the Cubs, the Cubs, as a positional unit on fan graphs, have a 24 wins above replacement projection. Pretty good, actually. That's second best in the National League, which, again, impressive. The Reds, on the other hand, their projection is 12, half that of what the Cubs currently have. That includes Nick Castellanos on the Reds. And we look at why why is that the case. A lot of the players on that team, besides Eugenio Suarez, they've had these volatile recent seasons in the positive and negative direction. I mean, for example, Joey Votto last year was a league average hitter. He's gonna be 37 years old. He's coming off some injuries. We don't know what Votto produces. Their current starting shortstop, Freddie Galvis, is projected to be a 0.2 war player. He's been a far below league average offensive guy. And going down the list, even in the right field, even with Aristides Aquino, right? Like, we don't know if that type of value is going to continue in 2020. On this roster, Yeah, you can see it working out for them in a good way, but I think the projections, they're volatile, they're unpredictable, and if you're going to bet money, I don't see a good argument to bet money on the Reds right now. Their strong suit right now, as it exists, is their starting pitching. Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Wade Miley, and Anthony Descalfani. That's a solid rotation. Sonny Gray just had elbow surgery at the tail end of the 2019 season. Trevor Bauer, he's their ace, but he's still aging. You You never know with starting pitching as your anchor. We've seen the Cubs fortunately have a very durable rotation for the past several years, but the way that they've gone to the next level is you marry your pitching, your defense, and your offense. And the Reds right now, they're starting pitching heavy, And the positional unit is still to be determined. The Cubs, their positional unit is stronger. Their rotation is probably a little weaker right now than the Reds. But they still have a track record in that rotation of consistency, of health that the Reds don't have. And so, yeah, the Cubs have done nothing. (laughs) We're not happy about it. And I think that's a great point that you brought up. Just because the Cubs have been absent and making moves doesn't mean the team is bad. It's quite the opposite. A lot of these models right now think the Cubs are the best team in the NL Central even without making these moves. I'm encouraged by that. Again, it doesn't mean I'm happy with that this is the direction they went, but I'm still at the end of the day, despite the Reds' moves, the Cubs on paper are better, whether that translates to actual wins we'll see. Speaking of spring training, this spring, follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. It's a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. There are 10 stadiums, 15 teams, in beautiful 75-degree temperature. All these stadiums are within 50 miles of one another. So you can go to multiple games in one day. Plus, there's so much to see and do nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from all around the world. Plus, explore Arizona's beautiful outfield. You can go hiking, biking, go on Jeep tours, do hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, whatever you want to do adventure-wise. Arizona has you covered. And the best thing about Arizona this time of year, it is the ultimate fan family-friendly environment. You can bring your kids to spring training. You can go to all these family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback riding to games and any activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. Yeah,
0: I tend to agree. And and again, I, I can't make this clear enough. Like that shouldn't be where we're at, right? Like I, I think I bring this up a lot too. You look at a season like 2016, right? When you went into that season, in that off season, there was no question that the Cubs were the best team in that division. There was little question even going into it that they were going to be the best team in the National League, right? And they did everything in their power in that offseason and the ones leading up to it and just where everything was to make sure that it's like, even if things don't go well for this team, you have some bad luck, whatever, this team is still leaps and bounds better than everybody else. That's just how it is. Everybody has to deal with it. And that's how it should be for this group with the money they make, with the payroll that they can have, with the young talent that they had. Like that's where it should be. So this isn't good enough. Nobody's happy about it. And the margin for error is way too, uh, there's too much of it, right? Like the littlest thing going wrong with this team, as we saw last year, right? You know, Javi gets hurt and doesn't play to his the, the same level that he did in 2018. Could kill the team, right? Rizzo has a back injury. Rizzo has an ankle injury, has to miss however many games. Could kill the team. You lose the division by a handful of games, right? You blow a series at home against the Cardinals. That That's all it takes to be the difference in making the playoffs, losing the division, etc., right? And so there's way too much risk. And I think it was Theo in in those earlier seasons where he always talked about like how you want to identify what the hurdles are, what could get in the way of you winning the division, making the playoffs and having a chance to win the World Series. And right now there are way too many uh roadblocks in 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 the middle of this road, but they can get over them. Like this team you if they're healthier, if David Ross can come in, the new coaching staff, the the new kind of organizational structure that they've put in, if they can clean up the base running, clean up the defense a little bit, clean up some of those mentalities, have a better mentality at the plate. How, how many wins does that translate to? I don't know, but I, I, mean, I do you can believe... You see you're working now. Like, yeah, like and, see, I, and see, I do believe yeah. that that's the type of stuff that can change with new coaches and new eyes and and different philosophies. And it's, it's not at all to put... The, the blame for those things or or anything right at the feet of Joe Madden but it's just to say that that like you don't have to have an entirely different team for them to go from being making too many outs on the bases to not doing that. That is something that can change with 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 different coaches, with a different philosophy, with different types of accountability put in place to you know, rid the the team of those things. I, I do believe that those things can change without necessarily like significant roster overhaul. Um and and even like I, I I don't remember if they finished as such, but they were certainly the worst team at outs on the bases throughout the the twenty nineteen season at, at different points. And like, even if you get to middle of the league in something like that, like that's a significant difference and, and, and really could make a difference on on so many games if you're not just giving so many outs away. So I, I think you, you clean those things up. You hopefully can have Javi, Rizzo, Chris Bryant in particular, stay healthy, play to their best levels. Like the, the top level talent on this team can compete. So I am obviously disappointed with the way this offseason has gone. And we talked about it when they made kind of those first moves, that it's it's really disappointing to see the Reds continue to make these moves because it's indicative that they feel like they can win the division by participating. And the Cubs should not ever let that happen, right? They should dissuade anybody from that notion. Don't even bother Giving out this money, don't even bother doing this because you're not going to compete with the Chicago Cubs, and that's not where we're at. And it's not good enough, and it you know shouldn't be acceptable. But again, kind of bringing it full circle and, and maybe wrapping up this this part of the conversation. I don't think that their inactivity and uh, you know the Reds' activity. I, I don't think that equals the Cubs are bad,
2: yeah. right? I mean, these they are not could, mutually exclusive
0: be. ideas. Like, I. Yeah. I
2: I think it's okay to still realize that the Cubs, as a unit, as a team, has the potential to win this division. That's okay right. to realize that, that. that I think and be upset about how the offseason went. You, you don't have to be on either
0: side of the of the of the spectrum. There, you can
2: have both ideas.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key. And and again, like it could be a bad season for the Cubs. You've, you've left a lot up to chance. You're you're really banking on some guys to continue good performances or break out into you know that kind of next level. But they they could also be good. They could also be good. They could also win a whatever division. And you know we'll 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 just have to see because that's that's clearly where we are. I mean, there's there's really not anybody left on this free agent market that's going to drastically shifting things for this team. They could still look to make trades. We're we're still waiting on that Chris Bryant grievance, even though they should not trade him. He should be a Cub for life, uh, just to reiterate that. But you're you're getting kind of pretty close to pitchers and catchers reporting. I mean, we're literally only weeks away from this. The the Cubs play a spring training game in less than a month. So you're just kind of running out of time for stuff like that. So I, I think that this is probably... What we're looking at, they they are going to run with this group, and we will transition to some of the additions that they have made. But but why don't we start with uh, Steven Souza Jr. Brendan? That is uh, a contract that is done. The Cubs have officially signed him, and it is an outfield uh, depth piece. I it's it's pretty low risk for the Cubs uh, as he did not play in 2019, dealing with an injury. So, uh, you know, look, it—it's it, not a move that I think is going to particularly excite anybody. It, it is definitely the move of a team that is just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and and hoping that something sticks. Uh, but if that is the strategy that you have adopted, it's, it's good to have more options in the fold, I think is the only real way that I look at this. I think you and I, in particular, have complained about how much playing time that Albert Almora and Daniel Descalso got last year, and giving more options to manager David as to someone who could earn that time instead I think is fine. It's it's low risk, and if he can, you know, be healthy and and get back to form, he's you know, I think I think he can be a productive member in in the right role for this team.
2: You can see Souza turning into the guy the Cubs want as a corner outfield piece, but it goes back to your point, Corey, when you're talking about Theo saying you got to look ahead to see what could go wrong, and if, for for Souza, it's now hard to imagine what could go wrong. Right. The, the issues with him, despite some of the optimism, is he just came off a significant knee injury that took away 2019, and he's going to be approaching 31 years old this season. What does that look like for someone at his career point? The second issue is in 2018, he was very bad. Very bad. So in 2018 with the Diamondbacks, he had 272 plate appearances. He batted 220 and he had only five home runs. Again, this is with the juiced ball in one of the most hitter-friendly ballparks in Arizona in Chase Field. That was worth, what is this, an 85 WRC plus, and his defense in the corner outfield was not good. So his last good season was in 2017 when he had a Woba of .348, batted 239, 30 homers in 150 games with the Rays can he replicate that 3 years later given that he's older in his 30s coming off a significant knee injury where basically every ligament in that area had to be repaired is that going to be good can he rebound from that we'll we'll see that's why he's only getting paid 1 million that being said if he goes and turns himself into the opposite side of the platoon for say someone like Jason Hayward Then you can see Hayward, you can see Souza teaming up and being a pretty formidable option for David Ross in right field. As a career, and more recently, Souza has been very good against lefties. Even in that 2018 season when he was bad, his WRC plus against lefties was 10% better than the next average guy. So at his worst, Corey, Souza was still Good against lefties and Hayward last year against righties, well above league average. We know he struggles against lefties. You can see that working out, and I think that's a a good option for David Ross. And you can you can see even Sousa going to left field and spelling Schwarber when the matchup favors Hayward, in particular against certain lefties. And so I like it. It is a it is a depth piece at this point. I'm still a little skeptical that Souza can even fit that platoon-type role. We'll, we'll see how the knee injury shapes up. But the Cubs signing him, they have an idea, they have confidence that the injury is behind him, that he can return to some level of valuable offense. And if that's what Theo, if that's what this new front office infrastructure looks at, then I can get behind it, and I can see the optimism, and I can see some of the the logic of them wanting to bring in Souza, especially at that press.
0: Yeah, and and I think just since you alluded to the price, so it's it's a base salary of a million dollars, uh, and this information coming from Jordan Bastian, friend of the podcast Cubs and MLB.com. dot com, and he says it's a base salary of one million dollars, with one million dollars available in non IL roster bonuses, and another one million available in performance bonuses. So basically, it's one million. And if he ends up being healthy and someone that the Cubs find valuable and and useful as as a bench or kind of like, you know, platoon type guy, then great. He'll earn a little more money and the Cubs have gotten someone uh, to be a, a little more productive for him. And if not, then Cubs don't lose any more money and it's not that big a deal. So it's, it's, it's pretty low stakes, which is pretty much how all of these moves have gone, which is uh, what the Cubs have pretty much landed on doing in this particular offseason. season. Uh, weird strategy coming off a year where you didn't make the playoffs, but we've gone on that rant before. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to do that again. But I think that with a lot of these moves, and we'll talk about another one in a minute here in the bullpen, I, I think you kind of just have to be like, fine. They're they're basically taking a bunch of lottery tickets and hoping that a few of them pan out, they can add to that roster with the top level talent we've already discussed, you know, guys like Wilson, Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and hoping that someone like Kyle Schwarber, again, Ian Happ can kind of continue on the, on the path that they've been on, maybe take that next step. And you hope that a few of these guys, right, position players, pitchers can hit that high level of performance, hit that whatever, you know, 99th percentile outcome and round out that roster. And, and you kind of end up filling in some of those cracks that you've had for, for cheap. It's, again, it's a a risky strategy and one that is likely, certainly, to not work out in most of these cases. But, you know, Souza's a guy who had a lot of hype around him uh, a few years ago. Significant injuries certainly derailed that, but he went through the physical. They they obviously believe that he's healthy. And if he can get healthy, and like you said, Brennan, like th- there is there is potential there if this hits the right way, that him and Hayward in particular could combine to be a, a very effective option for manager David. I'll point out you you did call him David Ross twice in that last I segment. I, 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 I we did. don't have to I call know. him manager David I know. I know. every time, but you know, we no, probably we want to. to land on a consistent language there.
2: I just so, gotta get. I just gotta get used to it. That's so. all.
0: Yeah, just like we have to get used to the uh, clean shaven look that he is. Yeah, he's exactly. For now, yeah. So it's yeah. Look, I, like I don't expect anybody to be excited about a lot of this. I'm not going to tell you to be I- I- excited about any of this, but this is the strategy that the cubs are enacting and have been enacting this entire offseason and i you know i think they they certainly could have done worse than someone like Souza, and i and i think it's it's easy to see what they are hoping for here like you mentioned brendan like there there is stuff to look at and you're you're ultimately not—this isn't one of those signings where you're hoping against hope that somehow he ends up as an everyday outfielder for this team. That's not anybody's plan. That's not what anybody's hoping. What you're hoping is that he's healthy and can kind of tap into what made him uh, somewhat of a highly touted player and that he can just contribute because that is one of those areas that we hammered on in, in the 2019 season that the— Top-level guys were doing pretty well for a large portion of that season, but that bottom-level production was so bad that anything would have been better than it in certain cases, right? Like, at at various times in the season, Descalso and Elmora, respectively, were both literally, like, the worst hitters in the league. (laughs) And, and so that's what you're looking uh. for in something like this. Can we get this guy healthy? Can he make it through spring training, earn those plate appearances? If he does, he earns a little more money. And the Cubs will have found someone who is probably a little more productive than what they might have otherwise gotten. And if not, it's low risk. So whatever, you cut bait and move on.
2: Yeah, I, at, at this point, I, I don't have the confidence that it's a surefire bet. That being said, there are players on this roster that it's not hard to really imagine things working out you know looking at this depth right now you have Ian Happ you have Kyle Schwarber you have Jason Hayward I mean you're gonna have (laughs) your favorite guy Albert Omora and then you're gonna have Steven Souza and so I think four of those five you have an idea what they bring and I'm not talking about Omora as one of these guys included I still think Corey I would be a little surprised, even if Souza can't produce against lefties at a league average value. I would be surprised with that. And if he can be a league average guy against lefties, which, by the way, he's been well above league average his entire career against lefties, then you already have value in right field because I'm confident that Hayward can be a, a decent bat against righties. He's done so for two years now. Absent of the injury last year, he was very good against righties. And so, with that being said, I feel better about the outfield. I do with Souza on this team. I still have issues with how the infield looks. I have issues with how second base looks. And I like David Bodie. I I love Nico Horner. I think the world of him. But it's about projecting something with reliability. And I still think in the infield, that's the target. We don't have that reliability at second base. We have. No reliability, in my opinion, at shortstop if Javi goes down. Again, not dissing Nico. Love the guy, one of Nico's biggest fans. But he is going to go through an adjustment phase just like everyone on the Cubs roster has, besides the MVP Chris Bryant. Rizzo went through an adjustment phase twice. Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras, everyone at some point has gone through an adjustment phase doesn't mean Nico's will have to happen in 2020. Maybe it's in 2021, but I need more reliability in the infield.
1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: I am with you on all of that. So let's turn to the bullpen and the Cubs adding Jeremy Jeffress. You may remember him from his time with the Milwaukee Brewers. And like we said, it's pretty much... uh, Similar to what we've done, uh, and and just for reference, it's we're recording this on Tuesday at about eight thirty in Chicago. I think they're in agreement, uh, so I think they they may still have to do the physical. So I don't know if this is a hundred percent final, but they are in agreement. This is happening, so he they're they're signing him. But I just want to clarify that just in case something crazy happens uh, while we're not recording, but. I I think this is very similar to all the other things that they've done, and, and, you know, again, like, if they had made some improvements, like you were just saying, adding shortstop depth, uh, figuring out exactly what they're going to do at second base, center field, whatever, right, like... If they had made those improvements through free agency or trades or whatever, I, I would be like, and I am totally fine with the way that they've constructed this bullpen, but had they made those other improvements, I'd be even more fine with it. Yeah, don't you don't need to spend, we've already done the spend big money on relievers. We've traded, we paid a very heavy prospect price over the years for Big-time relievers, and they've signed a couple of relievers, right? And so Mm -hmm. we don't need more of that, right? You don't want too much money tied up in, you know, arguably the most volatile position in the sport. So this is fine. And Jeffers is another one of those. You're literally loading up on as many options as possible. I just use the phrase lottery tickets. I mean, this is literally the equivalent <laughs> of getting as many lottery tickets as you can possibly afford with the cash in your wallet and just hoping that one of them or two of them, right, pays off something. I mean, I'm uh, you don't losing track of, these... of their bullpen tickets. <laughs> they have so many there in the bullpen. Yeah, right. I, that, I mean, at this point, if you asked me to name more than five of these potential <laughs> spring training candidates, I, I don't think I could do it. But look, Jeffress was really, really good in 2018. Like, Insanely good in 2018. He had a 1.29 ERA, a 2.78 FIP in 76.2 innings for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you watch them uh, in those playoffs, which was hard to do, admittedly, but he, you know, he was a big performer for that team. In that particular season, and then it fell off a cliff in 2019. And then I'll I'll let you kind of—I know you dug into it at least a little bit, trying to figure out why exactly that was. Uh, But he was ultimately released by the Brewers late in the 2019 season after posting a 5.02 ERA in that particular season. So it's pretty simple. You are hoping that not even necessarily he gets back to that 2018 form, but that this was a guy who very recently was quite good and you are not asking him to be the closer of your team you're not necessarily hoping that it's 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 similar to what i just said about uh steven Souza jr no one is looking at any of these bullpen type guys and thinking man hopefully one of them can be the best reliever on this team right you have candidates that are more likely and hopeful for that particular role what you're hoping for is that a couple of these guys can be healthy get to work in the pitch lab and, and any other ways with Tommy Hadovy and the rest of his staff, and they can be productive members of this bullpen. And we've talked about this before. A big difference in what the Cubs are doing in this particular go-around of this kind of bullpen load-up is that they are prioritizing guys that are flexible roster-wise. Right, not all of them, mm. but a lot of them are able to be maneuvered on the roster, sent down, etc. They they've already gone through the process. Uh, I think with uh, Pelham of of clearing him through waivers and doing that whole thing, like these guys have options. Whereas when you looked at last year, the Cubs stuck, and we've talked about this with a few guys because they didn't have options, and the choice was to either get rid of them, risk passing them through waivers, whatever, or keep them on the roster and let Joe Madden keep trotting them out to blow games. And I think we all know what happened in a lot of those games. So this year, they have taken a different approach. Again, it is not exciting. It is not reliable. But you are not asking for 10 of these guys to have great seasons and be productive. You are hoping that they get into spring training, they battle it out, and a couple of them, right? Right? are able to shake through and go hey this guy's got something here we need to give this guy a chance start him in those low leverage spots and you know similar to what we saw with someone like Rowan Wick right like start them off, see what they can do. And if they keep earning those bigger roles, keep giving them those bigger roles. And, and that's what they're doing here. So I, I don't have a problem with the strategy. They've tied up enough in in you know high-priced and high-leverage reliever guys over the years. And I, I think this is fine. It's risky, but I think it's fine.
2: You know, last year, the peripherals for Jeffress was not that bad. I mean, he ended the year with a 5.02 ERA in 52 innings. So he pitched quite a bit last year. But his ground ball rate in particular, I thought was encouraging. So it's almost around 50%. But his career, he's around 57%. So why all of a sudden... Did he lose some of the grounders? And also, why all of a sudden did he limit or lose some of those whiffs that he was so accustomed to inducing? So he went from a whiff rate in 2018 of almost 30% to last year of 20%. So his whiffs went down, his grounders went down, but not uh, not to the degree where we're worrying that his ERA is actually reflecting what he was worth. His FIP was 3.96. Some of the expected metrics are around four and a half-ish. So I don't think he was as bad as some of the numbers suggest. And even his left-on-base percentage, abnormally low last year, freakishly, randomly low. So I think the Cubs' perspective, they're getting someone who has a recent track record of success, a track record of having good stuff, but for some reason, It didn't translate last year. And you look at some of the reasons why his splitter or changeup, that was the pitch that seemed to be most affected. He had double the whiffs with his changeup or splitter, however you want to call it, in 2018 compared to last year. Why was his changeup not effective last year? And I think that is an area of focus where you can look into the pitch lab, look into the new data, the infrastructure, and try to get that changeup back on par. If that's the case, then all of a sudden, you're going to spike up your grounders. You're going to spike up your strikeouts. And the last point with Jeffress is his velocity did go down last year by almost a mile and a half. That is a concern. Still averaged 94 miles per hour. Still fast. But why did that happen? Is there a mechanical tweak that the Cubs can look at and try to improve? And if they can't improve that velocity, I still think he could be a valuable reliever. If they can iron out some of the issues that he had with his secondary stuff last year, specifically the changeup, so right now <laughs> the Cubs' depth chart in the bullpen and possibilities—it's it's huge. We have Ryan Tapera, we have Dan Winkler, we have Casey Sadler, we have per- perhaps Colin Ray, we have Trevor McGill, we have Jarrell Cotton. These are all guys that are basically new that were not with the organization three, four months ago. That. Suggests the Cubs have their guys. I mean, even uh, Tommy Honavy was on air, on, I believe, on 670, the score, and he said he's excited to work with all these new guys because of the data. All these guys are high spin guys. Besides Jeffress, all those names I read off were at some point in the top 10% of all of baseball in spin rate. Can you turn that spin rate into actual production? And the way the bullpen is shaping up now, I can see a few of those guys turning out just like you said, Corey, with Rowan Wick, with Brad Wick, with Kyle Ryan. I can see, I have the confidence that this new infrastructure, Tommy Haddavy has already shown he's capable of doing this, but now you amplify that with Breslow. I don't know. I feel good about the bullpen. It could just be me trying to find something positive about this team right now. But I look at the body of work and what could be, and I'm excited about it. I'm not saying it's a for sure fire, you know, go bet on this, but I just feel good. They have so many of these,
0: I guess, high action arms is the best way I can describe it. Hartivy and his staff and and the the work that they've done with with some of these guys has inspired confidence do you know do we think that they're the best in the league at developing pitchers or or you know dealing with these reclamation projects no but I think that there's reason to be confident about the the group that they have, kind of spearheading these projects. And you know, like you said, just just hoping that they can get a couple of these guys to be effective and and hit that next level or hit their 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 kind of highest threshold. So, uh, you know, it's it's you you and I are working ourselves into a lather, Brendan, to predict the Cubs <laughs> to win a hundred games in in a it's month here. I, I can already yeah. feel it. Uh, we'll, we'll complain about the off season the whole time, but we'll, we'll, then we'll just go, you know what? I really think Ian Happ can have a big season. Like they, I think they're going to win 110 games. Uh, yeah, I think no, Ian probably Happ win MVP, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no, probably not on 110 games, but I, I think in a vacuum, right. And this is kind of what I was saying before in a vacuum. I think that the bullpen strategy is good. I, I think it's fine. And you know you put your guys to work. You you put your technology and and the new hires. You put it all to work, and you you know you try to get that successful output. It would be a lot more tolerable had they spent money or, or made the proper uh, adjustments to the rest of the roster coming off of the failures that they had last year. But in a vacuum, I think what they're doing with the bullpen is. A totally sound, you know, fine strategy. Again, it's risky. Like, there's no guarantee that any of these guys hit that level or come back from these injuries or things like that. But you, th- that's the whole point, and that's why we keep hearing these names and we keep seeing these signings, e- even despite little action anywhere else, because they are literally going to pile as many human bodies as they can into Mesa and hope that a couple of them find their way out as productive major league relievers. That's, that's pretty much just what they're doing. So that is where we're at. Uh, probably by the time we speak again, they'll they'll have more of these people in the fold. Uh, so it's, it's just what they are going to do. So as it stands now, Brendan, with Castellanos off the board and it really seems like the only thing left that is is going to happen for the Chicago Cubs barring something you know sort of completely unforeseen is we need a resolution on the Chris Bryant grievance situation and then to see if something comes of it right if the Cubs have something up their sleeves uh, whether it was with Bryant or somebody else it shouldn't be with Bryant to reiterate that again but that's seems like it's it, it's pretty much it, and 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 like you and I talked about, I was never really expecting them, or or even super hopeful that they would engage or re-engage on Castellanos, but at least him sort of being out there this long, tied with everything else, you could kind of entertain the idea. But at this point, you've kind of got one big box left to check, and once you get the result of of the grievance hearing. It's pretty much just a question of okay like are they going to do anything about it now or are we just getting ready for spring training so that that seems to be kind of all that's left here So I think that about does it for us. We will aim to be back with you on Tuesday morning next week. Uh, We'll record Monday night. But as always, should something big happen, we will jump on and discuss it. Uh, And obviously we are getting close to that point where we'll be on with you twice a week as there at some point here should be Chicago Cubs baseball back on the air. Uh, So in the meantime... I hope everyone is enjoying these last few weeks of the offseason because no matter how apathetic we've been about what the Cubs have been doing or, or, you know, the adjustments they've made to the roster or your 2020 outlook, I am reasonably certain that all of us or certainly most of us will be freaking out with every pitch uh, in, you know, just over a month's time here. So, Enjoy your your last uh, bit of relief from that, because we start it all again relatively soon, Uh, and in the meantime, you can prepare yourself for Steven Souza Jr. MVP season, baby! No, probably not, but uh, hey, here's hoping, right? Anyway, uh, whether we're doing that or watching a a regular baseball game, uh, we always thank you guys for listening to the Cubs. We, we cannot sign off without mentioning Kevin Rizzo, though. You know, just shout out to Kevin Rizzo it has
2: to be once per just episode. Just a general at this point. shout yeah. out. Yeah,
0: Anthony has been stepping up his his content game. Uh, we yeah. went a long time between the first post and the second, but he's been he's been uh, giving us a little Kevin love every now and again. Uh, shout out to Kevin's uh, shark fin life vest that he wears when Anthony takes him out on the it's water yes. it's adorable and one of the few bright spots of this uh, particular off season I can't say I was expecting that when the off season started that the thing I would be getting most excited about was uh, Anthony's dachshund in a shark thin life vest. But hey, baseball's weird, right? Life is weird. Things have a way of working out a certain way. So uh, as always, we thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for the uh, ratings and comments that you leave on the Apple podcast app or whatever podcast listening medium you so choose. We do appreciate that. It helps us. Uh, We will talk to you guys next week. And as always, go Cubs.
1: Keep your whole home running like clockwork From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage Now that's simple, easy, awesome Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more Restrictions apply
0: Hello, this is your apartment I need some favors from you Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island And I can't return the favor Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your
1: renters and car insurance with GEICO? We could save money, and it's easy to do
2: online. And one last thing,
0: could you leave the TV on during the day?
2: I need to catch up on my soaps. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in?
0: (laughs) What? We could sleep in another half hour? Yay. Thanks, sweetheart. Yay. And you'll change yourself, too? Yay.
2: There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history